you start to build on that person's soul, if you know what I mean. Um, Mm -hmm. It becomes more than just a beautiful face. You have created character around that person, basically turned them into something or or drawn from them something that they didn't realise was there. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are going to one of the most beautiful places on the planet to talk about not only photography, but to talk about makeup, to talk about portraiture, to talk about really a kind of fine art sensibility that I find personally, to use a technical term here, thrilling. I'm, I'm really into this this work. We're talking with Shelly Harvey. Shelly is a member of the Frames community. You guys all know her work from Femme Fatale, which was a recent story on the Facebook page and on the website. Shelly, how are you doing today? How's life in New Zealand? Doing great. Thanks, Scott, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, I, I am looking forward to this. You, you are having all sorts of successes these days. You just won a Spotlight Award from Black and White uh, Photo ma- Magazine, you know, described as, you know, awarded to a photograph chosen as the best overall in its category. You've got a tour going on. You've got a new service that you're offering. These are pretty exciting times for you. They are, and everything's happening really, really quickly. It's all sort of come to a, to a big explosion for me at the beginning of this year everything's happened which is causing me to actually go full pro so i'm really (laughs) excited (laughs) oh man i i I love it when all the rockets start firing at the same time i mean that that sort of you know validates everything that we seem to be doing but okay let's jump right in and most of the work that you present in the frames community and on Instagram and on uh, Facebook is portraiture. But we're, we're not talking, you know, wedding portraits, you know, of the standard sort. We're talking a real, really well-identified and, and really identifiable style of portraiture. What draw you to portraits in just the very first place? What, what about that kind of capture intrigued you? I guess through the years of, of my hairdressing and makeup artistry, I've been drawn to the beauty side of things. Probably when when I was a teenager, I was slammed with a heap of glossy magazines. You know, it was the 80s. Everything was kind of high fashion. And and even though it was slightly (laughs) hideous in the 80s, it was still thrown at us from every direction. Videos, music videos. Mm -hmm. um, And it had become really apparent. And I was always drawn to that. And I guess... I'm a people person, and, and hairdressing's always sort of carried me through with that, and I, I just love that side of it. It wasn't what I actually intended to set out doing. I thought living where I live that I'd be a landscape artist, but that's not to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, people just intrigue me. It's the eyes, I guess, and just, just that sense of soul that you get from a portrait that I don't have that connection when I take a landscape, uh, whereas I have a connection to the person that I'm photographing. Oh, that, that is very cool. So, I mean, just to be clear, you were doing makeup and hair for a long time before you picked up a camera. Mm, I started hair and makeup when I was 18. Oh, my. What, I mean, what drew you to beauty? What drew you to that work? 
I always wanted to be a hairdresser, right from the age of probably that I could walk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I was drinking shampoo and cutting dolls hair and things like that. So that was just a natural progression for me to do that. And never started till I was 18. Did my apprenticeship, um, competed um, successfully in that. Loved it. And photography was sort of something that I had my first taste of when I was about nine. And and I always thought I'd love to be a National Geographic photographer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We go through that phase. (laughs) Oh, I know. So I even remember lying about it to somebody in a pub one night saying, you know, they said to me, what do you do for a job? And I was like, I'm a photographer for National Geographic, you know. They fully knew I wasn't, but Uh it still went with the story. (laughs) Anyway, and it never really happened for me until I, I... probably seven years ago when I got back into it. So, mm-hmm. Cool. Tell, tell me, again, let, let, staying with, with the makeup and hair, I mean, 99 out of 100 clients are asking you to do something you've done before. But th- there, there had to be that little stretch of creativity. There had to be that little bit of the avant-garde sneaking in there because it, it's so present in your work now. Did you have the opportunity when you were doing makeup and hair to sort of stretch boundaries? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, clients that you've had for years that you have a wonderful trust with and a wonderful relationship, they do give you the sort of creative free will to do what you want to do sometimes. Maybe not quite to the extreme the way you really want to go. Competitions with hairdressing and things like that, there was always an avant-garde section, which I absolutely loved because you told a story with it. Uh, It wasn't just a hairstyle or a makeup. It was mm-hmm. the complete story that went with it. And that always appealed to me, to create something out of nothing, bits and pieces that you have lying around that, that can be incorporated into a look, which is where, with my photography now, um, I really enjoy doing an intense, with workshops and things like that, where you have a model and you can change that look every half hour just by adding something, and it can be the smallest thing. It can be a piece of tool. It can be a hat, some goggles, some anything, you know, and it can change the whole look. It's, it's always appealed. I had never thought of makeup and hair as telling a story, as, as, as being narrative. Say, say more about the, the appeal of telling a story. Well, you, you can take a beautiful photo of a beautiful girl and leave it at that. To take it that little step further by by adding, whether it be costume, the makeup, uh, you start to build on that person's soul, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. It becomes more than just a beautiful face. You have created character around that person, basically turned them into something or, or drawn from them something that they didn't realise was there. It's so hard to explain. <laughs> this is where I struggle. Well, no, because I think I think it's brilliant, and and clearly your images are acts of storytelling, and and so I, I'm just waiting to see this transition now. From one afternoon, you pick up a camera again, and you say, "Ah, yes, this too." What brought you back to the camera? Well, we we shifted to Twizel. Um, it's a it's a bit of a nicky story. I had a really bad addiction problem when we used to live. No, no, hey, it's good. It's it's taken me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, So so that there, to get away from that side of our lives, we moved to Twizel, tiny little town, 1,500 people, and distanced ourselves from our addictions. Anyway, 
I was bored and I went back to school, (laughs) (laughs) to high school here as an adult student and um, did photography, mainly to learn skills in Photoshop because I knew there was this incredible program. I wanted to know how to use it. Um, I quite liked taking little snaps on a little camera that I had and and mucking around with them and, and different programs and things like that. But I knew I could go further with it and wanted to see if I could. I was really lucky to be introduced to a wonderful man, um, Scott Fowler, who was running workshops out of Odomatata, which is about half an hour away from Twizel. And it was there that I really discovered my passion. And uh, yeah, he, he's taken me to where I am today. Uh, oh, without him, very cool. I wouldn't be where I am. So I have a lot to credit him for. So. So you, you have this background in, in makeup and hair. You've got this this new passion now for photography, and, and you come up with, with these magnificent portraits. And I can see one step just, you know, leading into another. Tell me about going beyond, you know, your initial shots and you're getting back into it, going beyond just the standard, you know, well-focused, well-lit headshot. Do you remember when you first started stretching boundaries a little bit? Yeah, probably start. It was actually probably my very first workshop I did with Scott. We, I had picked up a gas mask off a trading site here in New Zealand and uh, thought, oh, this could be quite cool. I kind of like things to be a little bit dark as opposed to all bright and happy and sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. And I thought this could be really neat, you know. So we did a few with that, and that's still probably one of my favourite images is the abnegation of knowledge, which has exhibited in a number of countries. And it takes photography for me to a different level. It takes away, it's not just a pretty headshot. It's, it starts telling the story. You know, it starts making people question what's going on here. What am I looking at? What is the reason behind this? Why? And you're almost erring on the side of things where it's a little bit dodgy, where you're starting to touch on very sensitive matter that's happened through history um, or current times. And it's it's to get the, get the viewer to really question what's going on here. And I think that's where, I mean, a piece that was created probably in the small hours of the morning when the mind was quiet and let the mind wander. And, and it comes from there. I, I'm not sure where it comes from, but I do flow in Photoshop intuitively and I just try this and I try that. And, and then all of a sudden I have something in front of me that I'm, you know, happy with, and, and the story comes from there. In the initial process, I can take a headshot and go, well, that's really pretty. What can I do with it to, to bend it up a bit? Well, I, I want you to, to tell me the story of two images then, because they are at one level very similar, but could not be more different uh, as well. And, and, and the first one, this is the one that Black and White Photo gave you the award for, the one called the, the Savoy. And right. The, the, this 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 one makes me chuckle a little bit because so often if you try to explain to somebody without seeing an image what it's about, th- there's no description that'll ever work. You know, here we have an attractive young woman holding a head of cabbage, and <laughs> okay, uh, that that sounds perfectly uninteresting, and yet it's just a dynamic photo. It deserves the award. So walk me through this one, and everyone, you you can find it on Facebook, you can find it on Instagram. Walk me through the story of thinking of this image, taking this image, and then the post-processing as well. 
Okay, uh, this is this is quite amusing for me as well because it, it it was pre workshop. Um, I'm always looking for ideas to take to my workshops. I was at the supermarket supplying getting stocking up on supplies for food over the weekend and I spotted this beautiful organic savoy cabbage and I thought, hmm, that could work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how. I had visions of leaves pulled off it, stuck on the model. I don't know. I didn't know how it was going to work, but I just had to have this cabbage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So during the morning, I think it might have been the first morning we shot, we steam up the bathroom in this particular property and Shooting from outside into the bathroom is fantastic because you get the steam on the window and the model can sit on the edge of the bath in there and we were all shooting different images of her and she looked fantastic and everything. I thought, oh, where's that cabbage? <laughs> where's that cabbage? I was like, Georgia, here, hold this cabbage. Look at it lovingly, you know. And uh, she did. And I, it was when I, when I got it into post, I thought, oh, God, I just love it because everyone's going to go, you know. Why the cabbage? Mm-hmm. And I think a few of the comments through Facebook and everything were, why the cabbage? And I thought, brilliant, I've succeeded. I've done it. You know, like that's exactly what I wanted to achieve. Why have we got this gorgeous girl in a window sitting there holding her cabbage? You know? I mean, the, why? The, the, yeah, the image provokes so many lovely questions. <laughs> um, and, and the way you've got that one leaf of the cabbage draped over her arm, the way she's holding it, sort of a, a nice, elegant bend to her fingers and in her, in her hand there, and the look on her face. Tell me about post-production. So, okay, you, you get this image. What do you do with it? I take it straight, in, straight into Photoshop, um, crop it down to where I want it to be, which is usually about an A3 I work to. And... Then she was processed. I use a um, Nick filters, which is through DxO Labs, uh, to do a lot of my post processing. I love the black and whites that they have. Um, they do have like presets, and you can go in and tweak them. So I drew out a lot of the detail in the window. You know, the steam and the and the water droplets on the window, the cabbage. I try and keep her soft, and then yeah, into into the black and white and and that's kind of what I ended up with it's it's a flow I do have a workflow that I work to through these color effects and then the um, silver effects in there as well but no it was just what one of those happy accidents really I guess with the with the cabbage but but why go black and white for this one when obviously you could have you know just uh, boosted or, or, you know, the green of the cabbage. You could have done a lot with the background of the bathroom. Why did this one go black and white? I did try colour. I tried desaturated colour with it. I tried just doing a little bit of um, selective colour on the cabbage, but no, it sat so much more powerfully in the black and white. Colour, you lose a little bit of the intrigue, I feel, um, that you don't, you know, that you get with the black and white. There's, it's just... It gives it almost a feeling of sorrow in there as well with the black and white. If it's all happy and colourful, it's it's not going to, I don't know, it's not going to stir your senses the same as what the black and white does. I, I do love black and white um, for that, and it just yeah. takes it to another level. you just a little bit deeper. You have to question the image just a little bit more. You know, I I have never heard anybody describe black and white as bringing in an element of sorrow before. And that that strikes me not only as right, but really 
deeply right. Um, th- th- there's a poignancy to that idea. But n- now, now let me let you contradict yourself because the one, <laughs> the, 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 the one that most of us know is femme fatale, which is just you know vibrant with color. So, so again, walk me through this one. Okay, so uh, on another workshop again. Uh, so, 30 degree day here, which is 30 degrees Celsius in New Zealand. Yep. Um, so it was hot. Warm day. Um, yep. We had gorgeous wee model Zoe, and we'd been working under a white gazebo with three sides to keep her out of the sun. Plus, it provides a big soft box, you know, like just beautiful diffused light. Mm-hmm. And we'd been running through a series of different things. We'd had her, there's an image on my page where she's draped behind some sheer curtaining and we're kind of fine art nude sort of thing and anyway she had this beautiful piece of, of red fabric and I was like oh you know like this would be really cool wet over you I had seen images in the past from other photographers that have done things like this in the water where the model's covered in fabric and it's wet and it, and it looks really cool and I thought well we've got no water around us at the moment so but let's wet it um so I wet the fabric Put it over. I accidentally nearly waterboarded her while I oh, did this. I put, well, I poured the water out of the. Sounds terrible. Poured the water over her head, and all the fabric stuck to her face. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Anyway, oh. so but she was fine. She's laughing. Any, mm-hmm. and we took her into the into the tent and uh, proceeded to shoot. Now I had a really dark, sort of grungy background in behind her. And when I took it into post-process, when I got them home, I knew I had something special in the red. And also in the back of my head, um, Trierenberg do a red section in their competition every year. And I've, I've never taken a red photo. Red's not really a colour that I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. So it was in the back of my mind there. I thought, oh, okay, maybe maybe I could get something red for Trierenberg this year. So I got the image into Photoshop and I thought, oh, what am I going to do with that? I've got this horrible background and this stunning red image of this girl. So I thought, no, I'll try and I'll just cut a piece out of the fabric on the body where where it was draped nicely and I'll chuck that into the background. So I, I cut her out and put that into the background and it just went boom. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, I've got it. And, and sometimes things happen really quickly like that where you don't actually have to try stretch the brain or, or the mind to to really find something that works. It worked instantly. I didn't have to take it anywhere else. I didn't have to take it into black and white. It prob- I don't even think I have taken it into black and white because I was so happy with the red on red. Oh, and the, I think, the, yeah. The, the, the red on red's beautiful. Go on. Yeah, I think you know, the, the colour red speaks of, of power, of passion. You know, it's, it's always been that that colour that stands for that. I don't like the female form to be exploited. Okay. Now, that that leads me absolutely to, to my next question and, and, and give you a chance to to expand on two things. And actually, it's a two, two-part question. The You have what you call tour dates and, and, and you, the, the imagination and creation tour, the fine art nude tour. And I have this image of you pulling into small towns with a camper or something. It's got a big placard on the side. <laughs> the Shelley Harvey tour, twenty twenty two. I mean, I mean, what 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 is a tour in, okay. in your world? Okay, so a tour in my world, where we live, is is so beautiful. It's so remote, and we're not overpopulated, which is fantastic. So, 
it's really great. I get the photographers to come to me. So mm-hmm. generally, I'm working this year out of a beautiful location. It's at Totra Peak Station, which is down on the edge of Lake Benmore. And there's nobody around. Like there is absolutely nobody. So we fully immerse ourselves into basically three days of photography, just constant. We eat, sleep, work photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't actually leave the township. So I have photographers come from all over New Zealand to these tours. I call them tours rather than workshops. And that's just a little thing I have in my head. Yeah. Um, so, and we basically fix ourselves there. I bring a model in, um, sometimes two models. And all we do is, is shoot all day. So that gives us a lot of time to change the look of the model, try different things. They bring their ideas. They bring their costumes if they want to. I I fully encourage that. If they have something that they want to try, do it, bring it, you know, like let's do it because I have the ability to be able to put these looks together for you and do the styling. Mm -hmm. If you have an idea that you've been wanting to try, you've seen something on Instagram, you've seen something on Facebook or or another artist's work that you want to try and and do something similar to, let's do it because I'm there and you've got me for the whole weekend. There's no outside interruptions. So it works fantastically. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Oh man, S- sign me up for this. I I, I would love to come to it. <laughs> but 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 you you have two definitions. You have what you call the imagination and creation tour, but then you've also got the fine art nude tour. So with I mean, and this goes back to the, what you said, you know, a second ago that yeah, you do fine art nudes, but you are very cognizant, very conscious of you know, there, there's a line there where you go from elegance to exploitation. Absolutely. First of all, you know, what happens on the Fine Art Nude Tour and how do you approach that both as a subject for your students and as a practicing photographer? Okay, so for the students, it is teaching them the importance of dealing with a model and, and to be gentle and to be kind and be respectful. The model at all times has the right to say no if she is not mm-hmm. comfortable. And that works in any situation, whether it's a, a portrait shoot, a fine art nude shoot. If the model's not comfortable, you're not going to capture her soul. You're not going to get the best out of her. So you really, really have to try and connect with your model to, to get the shot that you want. I like with the fine art nude, I don't like to see lots of bits. You know, uh, I like things to be covered, right? So, I mean, there's right. certain certain images. You don't push it to the point of exploitation. An implied nude to me is one that is is semi draped. She's she's covered. A nude, and the landscape. You know, whether she's up on a big rock from a distance or becomes part of the landscape. That to me is fun art, as mm-hmm. long as. The essential pieces are reasonably covered and out of the road. And the model, of course, is comfortable. 
My imagination creation tools are more based on, right, let's see what we can do that's crazy. <laughs> Keep, keeping the model closed and like, like, how crazy can we push this? How crazy can we go with the makeup? How crazy can we go with the hair? I'm finding now that I'm doing my own tours, I don't get quite as much time to spend on the hair and makeup as what I used to um, when I was doing the, the tours with Scott because he would be tutoring and I'd be doing hair and makeup. So I had a lot more time back then. So, And I do find simplicity with hair and makeup is probably the key. The more complex you go with painting somebody's face, the less you can achieve in the imagery from it. You're kind of restricted. Simplicity can be deceptive, though, because looking at your images here, there's the young woman looking through the pink fabric that that's sort of being torn back or whatever. I mean, that's not a simple makeup job there. I mean, it, it's very simple to look at, but that that's not you know, 10 minutes worth of work and here we go. You look at the image right after that. The woman, look, um, I don't know if this one has a title, but she's got a bunch of flowers around her face. She's got very pale makeup on, sort of a burgundy color lipstick, a blue eyeshadow. Again, we're talking hours of work here. So <laughs> yeah, you're chuckling. I mean, am, am I right? Is it hours of work? Um, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit of cheating. Okay, um, and a little bit of makeup. So basically something like that will take me probably 15 minutes, 10 to 15 oh minutes oh to my. do. Okay. So there's a, there's a trick. And, and also um, I use Retouch Academy panels where you can change the color of the makeup, which ah. <laughs> I find is absolutely fantastic. So in, <laughs> in the pink shoot with the, the pink card ripped, she had on – a, it was more a purple-based eyeshadow, okay? And it worked. It was sort of a pinky purple, and it worked, and it looked nice. And then I thought, well, hang on. I think I'd like a little bit more contrast. Let's go and let's change that eyeshadow to this turquoise blue because it's going to stand out better against. It's going to give me some color contrast. So sorry. Yes, I cheat. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's, cre it's creative license in the digital darkroom. That is essential. No, that's essential to know because, I mean, it sounds like for you, the creative process is, is fully split. I mean, you know, 50% what you're doing with the camera and 50% what you're doing with the computer. Absolutely. So, I mean, it is post-processing as much an act of discovery for you as it is retouching and, and finalizing? Definitely. Definitely. I'm learning new things all the time and playing, you know, like I, I will sit with an image, you know, that's my downtime. It's my way of unwinding and, and losing myself into the world of, of, of what I do. And, you know, I'm, I'm not in a hurry to process these things. It's, it's, generally an intuitive journey that, that happens when I sit down and, and sometimes it flows, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, let's have we play here. Oh, no, that doesn't look good. Okay, let's try something else. And and I'll just play. It is, it is like my playground. Oh, my. Your sensibility is, as I look through these images, there's a little bit of steampunk in here. There's a little bit of Victorian echoes in here. Um, are you are you working out of a historical school, or is this just what you're seeing? Oh, it's just what I'm seeing. I love the steampunk movement. I think it's actually really cool. Uh -huh. um, 
I guess that that probably stems right back to the Mad Max movie. Uh, I love the styling on all those, you know, like the fantastic costumes. Um, Burning Man, you know, like, oh, my God, yep. I wish I could get to Burning Man. That, that would be my ultimate. Just to see what goes on, you know, the costumes, the creativity, that, that whole free creative license that people have and, and feel so confident in wearing. We live close to a small town here that is the steampunk capital of New Zealand. Um, oh, really? We do, Omaru, which is ah, about two hours away from here, and, and they have a steampunk museum. I just I love the grunginess, I think, that goes with steampunk and the alter ego, I think, that comes with it too. You know, like these people that are right into the movement all have these – alter egos, these different names that they have and they, they give themselves and they create all these wonderful props and things and laser guns and it's it's actually really quite cool. I'm not one myself, but, yeah, no, the, the photographic opportunities that, that lie there are phenomenal. So. Well, it, it's it's certainly a success in your work, and and I agree visually. Steampunk's probably one of the most inter- interesting things going on these days. Um, <laughs> you know, you said the grunginess, but but there's there's a real intelligence. There's a real sort of you know forwardness to that whole movement that I I just absolutely adore. There are other elements of your work that that are not portraiture. You even admit on one of your. Um, digital presence is that you're the occasional landscape, the occasional still life <laughs> photographer. And again, living where you do, I don't see how you can ever avoid taking, you know, the occasional landscape shot. But but tell me about the flip side. Tell me about the work that's not th- th- this really creative portraiture. What else calls to you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's a really hard question, Scott. Ooh. I, I do love the moodiness that we have here of the mountains at times, and I do need to get out and travel more, which hopefully I'll be able to do shortly because I'm giving up my day job. We live in a beautiful part of the world, and I guess seeing it every day on a daily basis, you do become a little bit complacent with what you're looking at. So to go and hunt that down um, becomes quite difficult. The fine art nude I'm really looking forward to because it's it's not a genre that I've I've done a lot of, but I love the implied fine art mm-hmm. nude. So yep. the fine art nude tours are very new, so I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about the place that we're going to to be able to photograph them, and we're lucky enough on this wonderful station that we're staying on. They have a hut way up in the hills that we get to spend a night in. So. I'm going to try a few new things there. There's going to be a bit of light painting at night on the model <laughs> and things like that underneath the starlit skies because we are on a dark sky reserve here in Twizel as well. So um, very, very little light pollution. Oh, man. Um, so it's just, I guess, yeah, moving forward with, with, with it, I'm not sure if I'll ever be a landscape photographer, but I'm certainly going to be trying a little bit more. Well, and, and you, you've got some compelling work out there as a landscape photographer already. You talk about something that's new. We would be remiss if we didn't mention you have something brand new that you just announced and that, you know, via Zoom, you are now doing Photoshop tutorials. I am indeed. Now, it, this isn't just a help desk service. I don't just call you up and say, you know, how do I use this one element? You're talking something larger. So tell me what you're doing. 
Okay, so I'm working at, um, and I'm trialling it with my students anyway, or, or anyone for that matter that wants wants to do this. We do a lot of screen sharing. So you'll come to me, say, with an image and go, okay, how, how can I make this look better? How can I, what can you see that's, that's not working? What would be your workflow? Um, how can I take this to a fine art level as opposed to it just being a snapshot portrait? And it's, it's neat, actually. It's nice. It's nice to be able to connect with people, see their faces. And, uh, you know, some of them, like especially my students that are at the other end of the New Zealand that I can still communicate with, we've taken images on workshops. They've gone away. They've, they've done shoots on their own with models, um, which is great. And then they come to me and say, okay, there's something about this. Where would you go with it, Shao? And, and I'd be like, well, okay try this and then I can watch them work through it and suggest what would work to bring the model out of the image a lot more or especially with skin retouching and things like that. Um, I'm still learning skin retouching, you know, like I think that's something I'll be learning for the rest of my life to get it right. But it's just to help them, I don't know, so they don't go away from a workshop or they don't, you know, if they get stuck on something, they can they can see me, we can talk through it, we can work through it um, by sharing screens and and what have you. And, and if we share the image, I can then show them what I would do and then they can take it away and do it or whatever. They can record the session so they can take, rather than sitting there writing notes frantically and not really hearing <laughs> hearing what yep. what's being yep. said and you forget it, they can actually record it, go back, rewatch it and go, oh, okay, that's right, that's what she said or, or that's what we did. So, oh, that, that, so it, it's, it's very much a creative workshop, much more so than, than a technical how-to. Oh, definitely not a technical how-to. Like I'm really quite backwards when it comes to technical how-to. As I said, like I was a Zoom virgin until yesterday, you know, like I had <laughs> never done a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> so that well, was a trial. So we, we, we worked it out. We got it sorted and, and I'm ready to go. It's exciting. Oh, man. Well, welcome to the Zoom world. You've you finally gone over <laughs> to, to the dark side here. I have indeed. Oh, man. I want you to tell me the story. This is my last question. One more story about an image that I, I really don't know why it speaks to me the way it does, but boy, it does. And this is the one called the Chocolate Veil. Um, uh-huh. Yes. I mean, I, I just love that picture. And I want you to tell me that that's exactly the way it looked. You just, you know, you had the camera on automatic, you took a picture and that was it. <laughs> I doubt that's true. So it pretty much is actually. We, oh, really? Really? Yeah, pretty much. We were really lucky. Um, okay. So the property that we use, have been using, um, lies beautifully towards the mountains. So we're getting all daylight. We sat here on the end of one of the beds in the bedrooms and uh, I had this chocolate chill. So this chill that's there. And, and for the last couple of workshops, I've used it because I just love it, love the colour against the girl's skin. And we'd played with a few ideas there and like I liked it with the hat on and then I was like, oh, let's chuck the chill around the, you know, around your neck and and then boom, that was it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of post-processing on her skin there, a lot of skin retouching. But other than that, that is exactly how you see it. And she has the most incredible eyes. This girl, they're quite amber in colour. Oh, absolutely, they do show a lot of orange. You know, and uh, it is pretty much how it came out. So I was really stoked with that. I I love that image. This isn't the same woman that's in the chainmail image, is it? 
No, that's a different one again. Yes, but you know, because you know, th- there's a set of eyes that you'll never forget. Oh um, yeah. But are, now, are those eyes made in your computer, or were they made on the, the, on catch the set? Lights were put in and and post. Other than that, um, that's Gemma's eyes. Um, she has very little striations in her eyes, so they're very very pale. They're quite a hard eye to work with, really, without them looking super spooky. But I quite oh, like the super spooky. Um, yeah. Yep. So they are. Very, very pale. Uh, what colour would you call them? They're, they're like a almost a hint of green, but they're not, and they're a hint of blue. They're so light, and as I say, very little striations in them, so you can't get a lot of detail in them. So they do look quite, you know, she, and and a very dark ring around the outside. So yeah, she's fantastic eyes. I mean, Shelley, and answer another question for me here. You you come out of hair and makeup. You you have a whole career of basically you know touching people's heads and moving stuff around before you come to photographer to photography. I don't work with models, and I would feel embarrassed and uncomfortable and slightly silly if I said, you know, I, I would like you to take off your shirt and hold a head of cabbage. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 I, I, I could not bring myself to say that to somebody. How do you get comfortable working with a model? Um, I mean, even somebody you know well, you've got a good relationship, there's a lot of trust and everything, because when you explain ideas, I mean, I keep going back to, to a movie from several years ago, and I, I want to be in the meeting where this movie was pitched. And you say, yeah. I want to do a three-hour feature film that has nothing but penguins walking around. Um, <laughs> it's a dumb idea that made a great movie. How, how do you approach not know? I mean, you've got this vague idea in your head, and you want to try something, and you've got this human being sitting in front of you. How do you work with a model? Um, I'm really lucky. My girls are crazy. And and they will try anything, you know, and they don't look at me like I'm mad when I say, like, try this or do this or let's do that. I, I guess I have a 22-year-old daughter and re- relating to girls that age is very, very easy for me. I kind of know how they tick and, uh, you know, like, we, it, it is that personal rapport that you create with your model. And then you start off slowly. You have to start off gently and, you know, fully clothed, a few short poses, just quick. See how far you can push their body into positions and things like that. Um, I certainly wouldn't go straight into a shoot and say, right, get your kid off. It's, it's a thing that comes with time. And you talk to them. So there's that conversation all the way through. You're telling them that they look great. Can you do this? Can you do that? You start telling them a story to try and get them to imagine where they are and give them a little bit of a storyline that they then become part of. That storyline can evolve and evolve and evolve and evolve and then all of a sudden you've got them sitting naked in a window with cabbage. Um, (laughs) But like with Georgia, I wouldn't have to give her a storyline. I'd just say, hold the cabbage for me, will you? You know, and she'd do it, you know. Because, yeah, she, she, she gets my crazy mind, I guess, sometimes. But no, the biggest thing with working with a model is that continue, don't don't hide behind your camera and and through the you know, eyepiece, you have to communicate with them. You know, like get the camera away from your face, talk to them. They're a human being in front of you, and they're the most important person there because without them, you wouldn't have an image. 
Well, they, they have certainly allowed you to create some provocative, some intriguing images. I love looking at your images because it rewards every second that I spend even further. I'm always discovering new stuff in there. Um, and, and, and I love hearing the, the stories of the post-processing as well. Shelley, I mean, there is portraiture and then there's fine art portraiture and then there's that next level as well. And that that's where you are. This is just commanding work. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.